In a chaotic world, we're all looking for ways to manage stress. Many turn to yoga, meditation, and other practices designed to bring balance to the mind and spirit of a person. Today, we're talking about wellness on this episode of Trinity University's Learning Together podcast series. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, your host. This series features Trinity faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who've established themselves as experts in their fields. The Learning Together podcast series is part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. Today's conversation on wellness features Zeba Khan, class of 2000, and Steve Falk, class of 1999, who's a partner at Union Yoga and Strength located in San Antonio. They'll discuss how the balance between the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies is connected with the overall wellness of an individual. You will learn, among other things, how Ayurveda addresses stress management and about the different mind-body-spirit constitutions. Zeba, I am super excited to talk to you today about Ayurveda. I know our listeners are going to love this episode. Uh, I would love to set some context for those that may not know a whole lot about it. Can you tell us, um, give us an overview, what is Ayurveda? Tell us about the history and anything that you feel like the person new to Ayurveda should know. Well, Steve, first of all, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today, and I appreciate this opportunity to be with you. Um, Ayurveda is a 5,000-year-old Indian science, and it's one of the world's most powerful mind-body health systems that we know of. It's the science of life. Ayur in Sanskrit means life, and Veda means science. So Ayurveda is the science of life. And there are two main guiding principles that we have in Ayurveda. The first is that the body and the mind are interconnected. What happens uh, with the body will manifest somehow, some way in the mind and vice versa. And secondly, the mind is the most powerful tool that we have to transform the body. So it's an integrative, functional, holistic healing system. Um, secondly, when it comes to Ayurveda, we don't just look at the body. Most of my patients come to me because they have something, quote-unquote, wrong with their body, some physical manifestation, usually of pain or discomfort. And what I do is I look at their body, and I also look at their thoughts. I look at their energy system. I look at their diet, uh, physical movement, which we very often call exercise, and Ayurveda spoke, focuses specifically on yoga, but any kind of physical movement is important. I also look at their sleep uh, and their relationships. So it's an extremely holistic system that also takes stress into account, stress from work, stress from family, stress from relationships, stress about money. And so even though they might come to me with chronic neck pain, I've got to delve into all of these avenues to really get to the root cause of what's causing them their pain to begin with. You know, I had a few thoughts when you were talking there. 5,000 years old, that tends to, what that tells me is if something doesn't work, it's probably not going to be around for 5,000 years. So history, things, they tend to evolve out. So this holistic health pro program effectively from the East is, is, um, is really interesting. And I think, you know, being a Western myself, um, we've 
tend to ignore the holistic approach. And obviously Western medicine is getting much better about that the past two decades or so. But I'm really interested. And so like you made a, a comment about how if someone's neck hurts, you might have to look somewhere else. And, and what what I see a lot is when we have clients who um, the initial typical Western treatment doesn't work, you know, what's the next option? And so um, obviously there's different kinds of people. There's, uh, and not everything works the same way for everyone. How does Ayurveda account for the individual differences in, in all the clients you see? Well, from the, from the growth perspective, Ayurvedic healing is all about restoring balance to the body. And it teaches us that health is not merely the absence of disease, but rather that it's a natural state of happiness, an inner state of well-being. And it's achieved through clearing the body of toxins. It's achieved by having a peaceful mind, by having calm and happy emotions. Uh, It's about effective illumination when we go to the bathroom and about our organs functioning normally. And that's really what Ayurvedic healing is about. It's about balance, and the more balanced we are, the more healthy we are. And so going to a more subtle level now from the gross level, Ayurveda categorizes three mind-body compositions. It is a very, very customized system of healing. There is no one-size-fits-all. So what works for you, Steve, might be toxin for my body and vice versa. So when I see patients, I've got to know exactly what kind of mind-body composition they have. And then from there, I'm able to start diagnosing. And so in Ayurveda, we've got these three main uh, mind-body compositions known as doshas, D-O-S-H-A, and uh, they stem more fundamentally from five elements of nature, which are earth, fire, water, air, and space. And so the first dosha uh, that we can talk about today is what's known as kapha dosha. And kapha dosha is Uh, the mind-body composition that we get when we mix uh, earth with water. So when we mix earth with water, we get mud. And mud can be very, very nourishing. It gives life. We can grow things from mud. But if we have too much kapha in our bodies, then we tend to become very stagnated. Uh, We're not taking action we feel stuck in life, we tend to feel sluggish, we'll put on weight easily. Uh, And so what we want to do with all three of our doshas is to maintain a good balance, and that's how we can optimize our health. So we all have, everyone has all three of these doshas. So we all have kapha dosha in our body, and it helps us to stay strong and to stay grounded fundamentally. Uh, People who are kapha dosha people tend to be very compassionate, very patient. They give really, really good advice, but they rarely follow their own advice. And then uh, (laughs) they're a blast. These are the people we tend to turn to for advice. Um, You know, they're very nurturing, loving people. 
And then secondly, we have people who are predominantly pitta dosha. This is me. I am, I am pitta. Are you pitta? I am pitta, yes. So you're very fiery. You're a good leader. A little bit, yeah. But not so much a great follower. Oh, correct. Uh, you have very intelligent ideas, but you get impatient at the same time if you've got to repeat yourself. Yeah. More than about three times. Uh, once. Because if I have to process. repeat myself more than once, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> well, you process information very quickly, and pitta is a combination of fire and water, but it's not the water that kind of puts out the fire, rather it's the water that fuels the fire. And so when a person is predominantly pitta, uh, they have a lot of a lot of creation in their body, a lot of generation of ideas in their body. And digestively, they tend to also be susceptible to gastrointestinal issues because they have too much acid in their bodies and their gastrointestinal tract. So they're more susceptible, for example, to um, heartburn, acid reflux, ulcers. And lastly, we have vata dosha people, V-A-T-A. And vata is what we get when we combine air and space. So you think of the wind moving through the sky. And vata is all about movement. Uh, Vata dosha people tend to be super creative, very fast-paced, very artistic people. They tend to start projects and not complete them because they get so excited by a new upcoming idea or a new project. They kind of get distracted easily. They tend to have tall, thin builds. And they tend to be more susceptible to neurological disorders, anxiety, panic attacks, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia. So when uh, I have a patient come in through the doors, you know, one of the things that I need to do right off the bat is to see which dosha is their primary, secondary, and tertiary, and then also seeing what ratios they have them, because we want it to be uh, about... A 30, 35, 35 percent ratio with the three doshas. Because according to Ayurveda, that's when we have balance in our body. Right. So if someone comes in and they're 70, 20, 10, we've got an issue right off the bat. So when you have patients come in, obviously for many of them, they'll have some sort of traditional health care or doctor they're working with. How do you, I guess there's a couple questions here. One, how do you work with, with doctors if they're willing to work with you? Um, traditional, you know, more westernized medicine. And then the second is, is what do you think the optimal uh, way of working with, of integrating these kind of two tra- traditions is? Well, firstly, if they are already working with um, an allopathic doctor, a western medicine doctor, I tend to work in tandem with their doctor, and I'll work in conjunction with their doctor, and we will go back and forth, because I want to make sure there's zero contraindications, obviously, with what I am putting them on. Uh, My mission when I have patients come in through the door is if they come in due to a chronic illness, I try to get them off their meds. No one wants to be on medication their entire life. Because, you know... I mean, you know, Steve, everything's got side effects. Mm-hmm. Everything's got side effects. It's all synthetic, and it's got side effects. And we don't want to be taking these meds for the next 40 years. So the question for a chronic illness becomes, what can we address that will fix this uh, for the long term? What caused it in the first place? 
And then what can we do to gradually, ideally treat it and hopefully make it go away forever? And very often that involves lifestyle change. And secondly, uh, there are, I mean, there are doctors who are not willing to work with me because they don't believe in what I do and they're very much against what I do. But uh, I never take anyone off their medication because I didn't put them on their medication in the first place. So I'll work in conjunction with their doctors. And, uh, you know, I never tell anyone that Western medicine is bad because it's not. You know, if I were to go out tomorrow and get hit by a car, I would not go to a holistic doctor to heal me because it's going to take about a month to happen. I would want to be rushed in an ambulance to the ER, be hooked up, and be given whatever meds I needed to have my life so prolonged. The, the herbalist can't stop the uh, massive bleeding that's happening after the car wreck? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. You know, so for acute conditions, Western medicine is always the place to go. But for chronic conditions, if you have diabetes, you don't want to be on insulin injections right. and taking metformin the rest of your life because there's a side effect there on your, on your liver from the metformin. So I have a lot of patients coming to me who are diabetic and they've got liver damage because they've been on metformin for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And liver damage as a result of that medication is now beginning to manifest in their bodies. And they're in their 60s or 70s and there's not a whole lot that I can do for them now because they've been taking those meds for so long and so much damage has been created all over their body. So what we want to do is, you know, when we're diagnosed with chronic conditions, that's really the optimal time to start going to see someone who can help us in a more natural way rather than being on synthetic meds for decades and then saying, this is no longer working for me. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Ziba Khan and Steve Falk. As with any practice, there's going to be good practitioners and there's going to be bad practitioners. So if we have a listener who is interested in learning more about this, obviously we can, they can reach out to you and find out information if they're looking for a local practitioner. What are, what are things someone should look for um, that are positive signs and, and what are red flags when they're trying to learn about this and, and integrate this in their life? I think you want to go in and ideally find someone who's not pushy, first of all, right? You want to find someone, whenever you go to any natural practitioner of any sort, whether it's Ayurveda or a naturopath or an herbal doctor or traditional Chinese medicine, you don't want them to be pushy. You want them to sit down and spend time with you, getting to understand your body, your medical history, your lifestyle, your sources of stress, when you eat, what you eat, how much you eat, how you sleep, what time you go to sleep, how long you sleep, the quality of your sleep. 
all of these factors come into play. You don't want someone who's going to be pushy and have you in their office for 15 minutes and then try to sell you a bunch of products and usher you out of the office. Um, when I see my patients, they're with me for about 60 to 90 minutes for our first consultation. And so you want someone who's really going to listen to you. When you leave their office, you should feel good. And as a patient, you have every right to turn around and ask them about their education, where they studied, as well as how many years of experience they have. That's very, very important. You've got to feel very comfortable with the person who's healing you. And you also want to make sure that you don't have to keep going back to them. You're not supposed to become best friends. Right. You're, right? Not, you're not making their mortgage payment. Got it. No. If they're effective, if they're good at what they do, you know, you're going to go see them a few times in the beginning, say, mm-hmm. you know, maybe every week, every couple of weeks. And then after that, it should become more of a maintenance program That's... where you go see them maybe once a month or so or once every two months. That's really important. And I, I was just thinking, you know, if we're talking about root causes and lifestyle change, you're also probably not going to have overnight results, right? I mean, this is something that may take a while um, to rectify. Absolutely. I mean, if you're looking at, at really big changes, it takes, as I tell my clients, at least one month to really start seeing big change. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some herbs that, that I prescribe, Depending, you know, everybody is different. Some people are a lot more susceptible, for example, to anesthesia than other people are, right? Right. Some of us sometimes will get a headache. We need one Panadol. The person next to us will need two capsules of Panadol or Tylenol, mm-hmm. right? So we're all different in that sense. Some of, some of us have more sensitive bodies. Uh, for others of us, we require a higher dose to get the same effect. So everyone's slightly different, but on average, when you're taking natural supplements, it takes about 30 days or so for the benefits to kick in. Although some people, like with amino acid treatments, some people will see it within 10 minutes. For others, it'll take a few days. Wow. So it's very exciting. It's very interesting because it's all customized. Right. It's all customized, so you never know exactly how long it'll take for someone to see the positive benefits manifest. So one of the uh, common topics that's bouncing around the health spheres right now is stress. Um, and typically with, with things like diet or supplements or medication, they're easier to measure. There's controllable inputs and outputs. Um, but with the increased popularity now of meditation, of breathing exercises, there's a million breathing apps um, working on helping you with guided meditation and guided breath. How does Ayurveda um, address stress, uh, and is it is it massively is it very individual? Does it does it follow the, the doshas, um, or is there an overwhelming overriding principle behind it? It's exactly what you said uh, in the first place, Steve. Stress manifests differently, typically according to a person's dosha. So for a vata dosha person, when they're very stressed, their hands might start shaking. They'll get heart palpitations. They'll get sweaty, clammy hands. Uh, and then if that continues for decades, it'll manifest into like hyperthyroidism, for mm. example, or uh, arrhythmia, or as I mentioned earlier, neurological disorders of some kind. They might start getting panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Uh, for a pitta dosha person, it tends to manifest as 
um, gastrointestinal issues, too much acid. They've got hyperacidity. So stomach ulcers, um, cramping, uh, acid reflux, um, problems with the esophagus, the stomach, just gastrointestinal issues in general. And with kapha dosha people, they'll tend to have uh, very high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, diabetes, and they're also susceptible to heart attacks. I think there's a lot of kaphas in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> well, they tend to be overweight, the kaphadosha people. Yeah. So, yeah, they tend to. They, they don't like to move a lot, so right. they'll put on weight rather quickly. Um, and so, you know, Ayurveda says you've got to calm your mind. There's this element of healing the mind. We all have stress, but we need to know how to manage our stress. And there are different forms of meditation. I'm trained in over 26 methods of meditation. And again, meditation in Ayurveda is not a one-size-fits-all. Some people need a guided meditation because they're just too anxious and they can't quiet down their minds on their own. Other people can be given a mantra or uh, they can repeat you know, a favorite line from a poem that they have or a line from their favorite song or their favorite verse from a religious scripture. You know, whatever they want, it's whatever brings you peace. That's all all that it's about. I think that's really important. Whatever brings you peace. I've never heard it put that way before, Um, but the end goal being whatever brings you peace, I think that will remove a lot of the barriers or some of the intimidation factors for people that that maybe have had... um, poor success or, or have not had success with meditation in the past. They've tried one method and it didn't work for them. And like, this is not relaxing. <laughs> uh, and, or people haven't tried it yet. They don't, they don't, they see someone doing, say they see someone doing transcendental meditation and they're like, well, that's not for me. But, but the fact that, 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 Hey, whatever, it's whatever that brings you peace. So maybe that's swimming laps in a pool. Maybe that's going for a, a walk outside in a, in a nice park or in nature. That's that kind of, I think makes it more accessible. Absolutely. You can have silent meditations. You can walking meditations. You can have guided meditations. You can have breath meditations, mantra meditations, you name it. But it's whatever, you know, it's whatever brings you peace, whatever uh, kind of puts you in the flow of things, whether it's swimming or even listening to your favorite music, painting, stitching, you know, sewing, whatever it is, even going out for a run. You don't have to just sit and not move. Yes. But it's whatever activates your parasympathetic nervous system so that you can start healing your body naturally. That's what it's all about. We, we are our own best doctor. You're and con- all of the healing mechanisms are within us. We just have to turn them on. You're confirming all my biases here. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much making, making me, telling me what I want to hear. So if someone, um, what's the first step? Uh, you know, we're, if, if someone's like, okay, well, I, I, I'm not as healthy as I want to be. I, I, I know I need to make a change. I know it's, it's probably uh, a lifestyle change. What if, if you want to give someone who's listening today one thing to do, what is, that, what is that first step? The first step, I think, is to really gather as much information as you can from a very reputable source on the Internet and really learn about the different systems of the body, how they're interconnected, and how 
as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation today, a person might come in for a neck pain, and the source of their chronic neck pain is actually their 25-year marriage. <laughs> right? So you've got to really accept all of the facets of life. Have you been talking to my wife? I feel like, <laughs> Kelly, I, uh, you can't get it past me. I'm aware of what's happening here. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Keep going. So, I mean, that's really the way to do it. And then, you know, if you decide that, yeah, you know, this makes sense to me. Because if you don't believe in it, Steve, there's no point in going right. through it because it's not going to work. Right? Well, that's what's, you know, what what to me is the is the number one point that, that convinces me that this works so well with Western, med- Western medicine is because the placebo effect is well documented in Western medicine. It is as effective as many of the medications or more effective that are many of the medications, surgeries, uh, procedures that are out there. So if you believe that it works, it will. And so that shows you how powerful the mind is, and not in every situation, of course, but that how powerful the mind is in many of these situations. And you just nailed it. I think that's that's one of the ways um, that these two these two practices work so well together. Absolutely, and you know, part of as the Buddha said. A lot of our cause of suffering in life is resistance. We're fighting what mm. is. And so if a patient comes to see me and they don't believe wholly in what I'm saying, I always tell them to just walk away. There's no pressure. Walk away and see if this is something that they're willing to delve into wholeheartedly. Because oftentimes we have resistance to change. We know it's going to be hard work and I have clients who come see me and they never return because they don't want to do it. And I tell them it's best that you don't come back so that you don't waste your time and money mm-hmm. and you don't waste my time. I want to see you return to optimal health. Right. But you've got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. You've got to be dedicated for those moments when you're weak, for those moments when you're triggered. You've got to be absolutely dedicated 100% to arriving at the destination. And there's going to be some speed bumps along the way, but... What we tell our, our clients is, you know, if you fail the test, you don't, you didn't quit school, right? Exactly. You make a mistake, exactly. you, you come back to school the next day and, exactly. and, and start again. Well, exactly. I think you put a bow on it right there. Um, <laughs> our listeners can certainly find you at zebahealing.com. Is that correct? That's correct. And I'm super excited because we are going to have a webinar coming up, right? right? Um, That's right. So all our listeners, uh, check the social media. Trinity will be pushing that out, and we're going to have an October and a fantastic webinar with Ziva, and we're going to dig deeper and learn more. And um, if you have questions for her, you can reach out to her on the Internet. She's not hard to find. Thank you, Ziva, so much. I really enjoyed it. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.